Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Bulls on Tap. I am your boy Buzz, and of course I am joined by my dude Goose, aka Bulls Scripted, and we are here with another special episode of Bulls on Tap. We are joined by our dude Tony Gill from NBC Sports Chicago. He's going to join us to talk about Bulls front office moves, personnel stuff, his favorite game, how he became a fan, what he's been up to. He's been producing some awesome podcasts over there that I'm sure he will plug so we can uh, spread you know some word about that. So do some house cleaning here. Be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at BullsOnTap, at ontapsportsnet. Follow my dude Goose at BullsScripted and follow me at BuzzOnTap. So strap back and get ready. It's going to be a fun episode. Everybody, we are very exo- excited. Wow, can't even talk. I'm so nervous already. We're very excited to be joined by Tony Gill of M- NBC Sports Chicago. Goose and I have some questions for him, much like we had last week for Herb. Talk about the direction of the team. Um, you know, some fun little tidbits in here and what he's expecting. You know, uh, through the new front office. So, Tony, I want to be the first one to welcome you on the show, man. Thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks, guys, for uh, inviting me back. Appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Um, to get with the first question, man, um, you know you had a you had a huge career change recently. Um, you went over from 670 to NBC Sports Chicago. So before we got into any bull stuff, man, I just kind of wanted to ask you how what your experience of experiences have been like over there now that you're doing the uh, the podcasting game over there and stuff and producing. Um, it's been great. Uh, they made the transition um, fairly easy, and uh, as you guys have you know already know. Um, Lawrence is already over there. Jason Goff is already over there. So uh, it wasn't, you know, completely unfamiliar. And I've reached out to uh, NBC Sports Chicago, like, over the course of my career a bunch of times. They've had me on a couple of their podcasts and shows uh, before I started working there. So it was uh, it, it was really simple. It was really easy transition. Everybody uh, was willing to work, and so was I. So um, just going there be able to and being able to expand creatively – uh, get my hands in a bunch of different things other than just, you know, audio uh, and sound and stuff. Just it, it's really a free flowing workspace that uh, I personally needed to kind of expand. Um, and I love radio and I still love radio. And it's my always going to be my first love is the reason why uh, I wanted to join uh, sports media. Uh, but uh, radio was was strict in terms of what I could do. Uh, creatively and at NBC Sports Chicago there really is no kind of halt on anything that or an idea that I may have so uh, I'm loving it man so far I just this is my first uh, actually this week I took my first vacation in about six years wow Wow. (laughs) yeah yeah I've been kind of grinding you know through this whole thing really really uh, almost straight through without without any breaks. So um, it, it felt good to kind of felt like to feel like, hey, I I think I've worked long enough to actually at least get a week just to kind of step away from everything. So uh, yeah, it, it's been fun so far. That's awesome, man. And we had Kevin Anderson on two episodes ago. It went uh, Kevin Herb, and then you had come on today. Um, and Kevin Anderson speaks very highly of you and uh, NBC Sport and all the you know work that goes over in NBC Sports Chicago. I talk to Kevin quite often. Um, mm-hmm. And I love the work over there, but when he was on, he had mentioned uh, this awesome podcast that you had uh, helped produce, and that was the one where um, Jordan was like practicing with the Warriors. 
and I just wanted to talk to you about like what awesome projects you've been working on over there since you've since you've been there. I don't expect you to throw out any teasers of things that are going to be dropping in the future, but the projects you've gotten to work on, what are you like most proud of? Well, I think it, it at this point in my career, it's got to be our Sports Uncover episode for NBC um, that you mentioned uh, before with uh, Michael Jordan. I'm back where we uncover where he uh, practiced with the Warriors for a couple of days. That's um, that's probably the, yeah, it's probably the biggest project that I've gotten to work on in my career so far. Uh, second would be the uh, Behind the Headlines series that I did with Julie DeCarroll. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of with the last dance kind of picked up steam a little bit more, uh, kind of like I had a second win to it uh, with that project. But yeah, man, this uh, this NBC project was 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 big and is being pushed by NBC National. Um, so there was a there was a lot of pressure not to mess mess up, <laughs> uh, but it was uh, it was a fun project getting to, um, you know, do those interviews and be a part of those interviews uh, for uh, not only the the television documentary that you guys uh, that we premiered on uh, NBC Sports Chicago, uh, the TV uh, special of I'm Back, but this was this was more in depth. The podcast was definitely more in depth. Um, a lot more interviews to comb through, a lot more uh, sound, and um, it, it, it took a week straight of just honing in to, to create that. And um, I don't know if you guys uh, can notice, I hope you can't, I, I tweaked it a little bit, but a lot of that recording I had to do in my closet. <laughs> what, really? <laughs> because, uh, yeah, I mean, our studio wasn't uh, wasn't on, I mean, All because right. of the pandemic. Right, um, and I couldn't use my, you know, my old stomping grounds at the score because it was the same thing. Their their studios were were shut down as well, so I kind of had to make the best out of a real crappy situation. Uh, so I had to set up a makeshift studio in my closet and had to record a lot of the voice tracking there. So there there was a lot of uh, hurdles and obstacles uh, to get through, but uh, it's by far probably the uh, the most proud I've been of, of a project uh, in my career so far. Yeah, man, I've been following you for a long time, um, you know, and everything you've done, whether it was at the score or now you being at NBC, I've been a big fan of, um, you know, and I've gotten to, you know, talk to you countless times, not, you know, face-to-face or personally or anything like that, but over Twitter just about our Bulls ideas and, and you know, we're, the direction of the team or questions or whatever. So I'm, I'm happy to see you in a job that you really dig, you know, a career, not even a job, a career that you really dig about a team that you love too. So, I mean, that's got to that's gotta be awesome. So we'll get into some Bulls questions. Uh, Goose, you want to you wanna ask the first one here, man? Get, get your voice on the mic. I mean, I guess we can start with the obvious one. Uh, what is your optimism level at with the changes in the front office with the addition and subtraction of some old faces, but bringing in Mark Eversley and Arturis Karnasovas? Um, it, it, I think it's pretty high, and I think Bulls fans should be really excited uh, about you know the, the, the change in the front office. I mean, it's been a long time coming. Um, and it, you don't want to get in too much of a, a an, an angry uh, mode, like what took so long. But it, it's done. It's done now, and the necessary changes uh, were made with their front office, um, with their already moves that they've done, uh, that our, our tourists has done so far, uh, picking up a a, uh, a contract guru from New Orleans and. Uh, picking up Mark Eversley from the Sixers with his players, uh, with his player connection uh, with the league, with his work through Nike. Like, it, it's really kind of like the 
you know the the Megazord is is forming <laughs> together in Chicago. And Power Rangers, I love it. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's really a sight to see because you thought you would never see it. You thought uh, ownership would would be too stubborn. You thought that they were okay with just being uh, the team that Michael Jordan was on at that one time, um, but uh, they 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 finally stepped it up and decided to change course and said we we aren't up to date. We aren't with the rest of the league, and hopefully. This new pairing of Mark Eversley and Arturis Kondrasovic uh, will help propel the organization into relevancy uh, amongst uh, NBA, uh, amongst their NBA teams and NBA, you know, players. Oh, absolutely, and it's an underrated move that I think goes by in this front office because everybody's talking about AK and Eversley is uh, the guy that you brought up before uh, from New Orleans, JJ Polk, being a cap guru as he is. Um, I, I think that's really going to help out too. Having people from different spectrums coming to work together can't be anything but good. In my opinion, you know, you have different opinions, you have different styles, and once you can, if you can mesh all those together, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great marriage. But looking at the roster right now, we asked Herb this last week as well. Do you, I mean, do you think anybody's untouchable? I mean, is there anybody untouchable in your eyes or somebody like, and maybe not in a front office sense, like where you're actually working in the front office? I guess it's kind of like a two part question. It's like, is there anybody untouchable in the front office sense or anybody you don't want to see go that you would like to see them build around? Um, they've done like a lot of working with, you know, in the front office, almost, almost everybody of importance is gone. So all those key, um, decision makers that were here aren't in those positions anymore. So they've done a pretty decent job of clearing house uh, from the front office aspect, from a player standpoint. Um, uh, I, I would say, here's the thing. I don't think Mark Eversley or Arturis takes this job if they didn't believe that there was talent on it, uh, if the cupboard was bare. So if they took this job with the the aggression that they have so far, um, they really think that there's something to this young roster. Um, so it, when you, when you ask that question, um, the assumption is that either you know Laurie, uh, Zach, Wendell, or, or Kobe, uh, Kobe White would be the ones that would be gone. And um, I'm I don't I don't think that they want to I don't think they want to move off of any of those players just yet. Um, we see how they're handling the gym thing where they're kind of really doing their due diligence on Jim Boylan, uh, even though there's a, a lot of reports out there uh, that they made, they already kind of made their decision on Jim and just want to take it, you know, kind of day by day with that. Um, so that means if they're taking this long with a coach who potentially is already out the door, I don't think they're will be willing to move off of any of those key four players just yet before they actually see them in a best case scenario. Um, I don't think that current as it currently stood before they got there, the players were put in a, in the best position to succeed. So how do you have a, an accurate evaluation of each player? If you don't put the best things around them and then seeing what they, uh, what they have to do. And all these players are under, you know, nice contracts in terms of uh, organization. Uh, Zach is on an incredible contract uh, with uh, another couple years left on that. Laurie is uh, coming up on his, at the end of his rookie deal, so he has something to play for. Um, and the Bulls still have his rights as well. 
so uh, Kobe, right? Uh, Kobe, right? He was a rookie, you know, last season, and and Wendell Carter still under his rookie deal. So uh, the four people that you want to see, everybody else can be moved. Like everybody else is an entertain interchangeable uh, piece in terms of the rest of that roster. But in terms of those four, I just don't see them moving on uh, from those. From those, I mean, they're they're lottery picks. Um, if you think so, if if you want to see what they have, they, they're maybe they're going to try and move on from uh, from Jim. If the rumors uh, serve correct. They're going to try and get uh, the best coach for this roster, and they're going to get the right player development people around them so they can one stay healthy for an entire year, uh, and two. Uh, start actually doing some some winning basketball, and and that front office is going to be able to see what this group is really made of once they are put in the, the best position that they can. I think you're along our our thought process too, and Goose, I'll let you speak on this in a second as well. But I mean, I I really don't want to see any of the core four move because I don't I think we've been kind of robbed of it. Um, you know, last year with all the injuries that we dealt with, and now even a shortened season due to the pandemic as well and then even the year before Kobe got here with Wendell battled injuries his rookie year Lowry was you know struggling a bit and um you know Zach has just been a monster so I mean I I really don't want to move on from Zach I think with good coaching he could be he could be really good Goose I know that you said you you saw those jerseys on sale and it uh it scared you a little bit huh (laughs) yeah man I've, I've always felt like sporting good stores maybe they just Ride on rumors, and that's when they decide on sale. <laughs> a lot of the times, pay close attention. <laughs> Those jerseys go on sale. <laughs> Buddy's about to be out of town. Um, happened with Jimmy Butler. Uh, that's right. You know, it did happen with Jimmy Butler. It did. I, I mean, that's that. the one that I can remember the most. Ben Gordon. I remember my dad just bought me a Ben Gordon jersey. He was at Sears for whatever reason, and they had him pushed to the front of the door. You know, clearance on sale. Wasn't traded yet. Brought that sucker home. I put it on like a week or two later. Ben Gordon has been traded to the Pistons. Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, maybe it's just coincidence. Maybe they ride on rumors and they, they take a shot. Like, hey, we'll take a little hit just in case if we can get that many out the door. But, no, I, I like the point that Tony made uh, about the front office's approach to the coaching situation, which they already see is pretty much decided upon um you you probably would want to give the four aforementioned players their you know their chance to prove to you that they are who they were supposed to be when they were drafted seventh overall so because all three of them were drafted seventh (laughs) overall as our dude c red fred says with his seven you know seven 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 it's time it's it's time to get it rolling man they're gonna be great you know um now that i i know this isn't on the outline but they did have I'm going to butcher the name, so please somebody save me before I do it. Um, I, he played in the league. And, oh God. It was the reports came out that Emei Yudoka. Did I say that right? I hope I did because I, I feel always bad butchering people's names. I'm so bad at it. But he is the lead candidate for the Chicago Bulls head coaching job. Now, last when we were on with Herb, we were hearing a lot of Adrian Griffin or maybe Kenny Atkinson. Maybe those were just rumors. But, uh, Tony, I mean, you know, with this – them doing the due diligence with Boylan and kind of keeping him around to maybe either if that's to appease the people that want him to stay or not out of that out of those coaching candidates um who are you looking for to lead this team I know you're a huge NBA head and I know you, you know a lot of the coaches around the league that are available um such as Dave Yeager Kenny Atkinson Adrian Griffin Udoka um you know everybody keeps saying Mark Jackson to me I wouldn't mind that I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, but is there anybody that you're kind of looking at as well? 
Um, the Adrian Griffin uh, candidacy early on uh, when this happened really piqued my interest because um, the a couple things that I'm looking for is championship experience. Um, and not, 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 not even as a player or anything like that. Just have you been a part of coaching staffs that have won championship rings? Um, and two, uh, almost as important to me is can you connect with your players and, un- and, and understand that, of course, every coach wants to have a style of play, but can you tweak your system to best fit your roster? Um, and I think that second part has really what um, what's been missing from this team so far under Jim Boylan is um, the importance of the style of play superseded the best fit for the roster. Uh, even through Laurie Markin and struggles, when we ask, you know, Jim Boylan, well, why isn't Laurie producing even when he was healthy? Um, the answer was he just needs to be on the rebounds more. And that always bothered me because if you're if you believe that if you believe that Laurie Marketing is a cornerstone piece for your franchise, um, that you believe he has all star or superstar talent, in what scenario in NBA history do you tell that player, go grab rebounds, that's where you're gonna get your touches? Like that's never happened before, literally in the history of basketball, if you think he's that player. Um, in which I think a lot of fans and media members think that Laurie, Laurie's potential is on an all-star level. Um, and we didn't get to see that all year, even when he was healthy. Uh, and that just kind of confused uh, everyone. So um, being, being able to get the most out of your player when something isn't going right, you find out what's going wrong. And, and being able to change it, it, it's not saying your system is not working. It's in fact, you should get more respect from the media and the players to recognize that something isn't working and then being able to change it. Um, and I think getting getting a coach in there that can do those two that has those two things is the key. Um, and I thought Adrian Griffin would would be a good um, would be a good candidate for that. But now with uh, reports saying that the uh, 76ers, uh, assistant coach, uh, again, I'm going to butcher his name as well. That's I'm why I didn't help so, you out. I'm so glad you're with me. I, <laughs> I'm, I, 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 I tried. Yeah, I'm just going to lean on Yudoka. Um, he's been a part of the San Antonio Spurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he has that experience. Um, he's young enough to also to connect with the players as well. Um, and Mark Eversley, I'm pretty sure he's pushing uh, for him since he came from uh, Philadelphia. So he has an insight into uh, what type of man he is. Uh, Yudoka is so um again with assistant coach and coaches that um that doesn't have prior head coaching experience that's kind of like the bulls thing right um, right yeah, they, they always hired yeah yeah they always have higher coaches with zero head coaching experience which um which which is a, a negative if, if you want to look at it that way um but I think to at this point, it's so early in Arturis and uh, Mark Eversley's tenure that at least to this point, we're going to have to lean on their knowledge of the situation and what they think this organization needs um, until they're proven wrong, until they make that first misstep that we can kind of say, hey, you know, keep them accountable for. Um, but uh, right now, it, it's all on 
it's all on them to kind of make that make that right choice. But uh, I, I'm not going to be angry between Atkinson or Udoka or uh, Griffin. Goose, I didn't get your opinion on Udoka. What, what were you thinking about him? Because I know that we recorded with Herb, and then like two days later that news came out. So I was wondering what your opinion was on that as well before we move on to the next question. Well, the irony of Ime, I looked it up on Wiki. Uh, the pronunciation of his last name was still a little, I wasn't going to attempt it. Um, but Ime, they both won championships with the Spurs in 2014. They were both on Pop's staff. On, in 2014 when they beat the Heat. Uh, and obviously Jimbo has the only other two rings from the 90s um, when MJ took his little hiatus uh, being assistant with Rudy T and the Rockets. So I don't know. I think that's kind of funny that we're going back to the pop tree and I'm sure it'll be great to hear about the pop tree when it works out this time. Uh, he is actually an ex-NBA player as well. He had short stints with the Portland Trailblazers, the Spurs, the Kings, uh, and then he eventually ended up with the Spurs before retiring from the NBA and coming back as an assistant coach in 2012. So I think that connection of being a player, understanding the grind, being through that situation not that long ago less than a decade ago that that'll be very relatable um, <clears throat> he'll understand the locker room setting that goes on when the coach leaves the room when the players talk like dude coach is fucking crazy <laughs> um, he's gonna understand all that stuff so i think going with uh young very connected to the situation he's about to be teaching in I think that would be a good way to go. I think he's actually moved to probably my top candidate out of uh, the rumored names that we could be in the running for. All right, man. Well, I'm glad that you're optimistic about this one for sure. Um, another front office question for you here, Tony. We we touched on this with Herb as well. And Herb was more so kind of, in, I think, in my boat about it. Correct me if I'm wrong, Goose, but with Paxson. Do you think that he is still going to have a major say of what's going on, or do you think he's just going to be more of a – a guy to kind of lean on if you have questions since, you know, AK and Mark are so new to the city and stuff like that. I mean, do you think that Paxson is still going to have a giant say-so within the organization, even though he's now just an advisor? Uh, no. Um, I'm going to lean on what KC Johnson reported for NBC Sports Chicago and what he's been reporting about John Paxson's role is it will be whatever Arturis wants. Um, and that's can and that's going to be as little or as much as Arturus needs him. Um, and I think Arturus is is confident enough in his in his skill, uh, in in himself, to make uh, tough decisions and hard decisions. Um, you saw as, as soon as he got hired, he got rid of Gar. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think he asked permission. Uh, to he, do that he was just like we met and it was like nah i'm good bro see you later <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so uh, i mean he he's fired the the longtime uh trainer jeff tanaka i don't think he asked permission i don't think he's here to ask permission to do anything i don't think he would have taken this job if he had a handcuff of well you gotta follow up with with john paxton i don't think that's how uh, our tours rolled on this and i don't think he takes his job if that was the case um and and casey's been reporting it um, in, in his pieces uh, a lot that uh, John Paxson uh, was the original was one of the originators of, of them of the Bulls actually changing this um, and wanting to be more update with how the organization runs 
and he's going to just be a, a tool that's there for our tours um, and Mark going forward. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm whatever he's getting paid, he's still getting paid regardless. Right. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, um, at this point, I just don't see John Paxson coming out to the media and answering questions or being responsible for anything uh, of importance uh, because I, I don't think it'll look, I don't think it will look great on the organization if he still has a, a lot of say so uh, on what's going on. And I think Arturis and Mark understand that. I remember specifically uh, when Mark was doing his uh, media, uh, he mentioned that he wanted to make the Bulls cool again. Right. Uh, and I don't think John Paxson oozes cool. <laughs> and I don't think Jim Boylan <laughs> oozes cool. <laughs> um, they both kind of just ooze Mr. Clean. One one skinny, <laughs> one a little hefty. But Mr. Clean, and I'm glad that somebody mopped him out of here. Well, yeah, I mean, Jimbo's still lingering, but and, and, and I've and I've talked to both of them, you know, personally, just kind of one on one. I mean, they're nice guys, and you know, respectable, professional, and all that. Uh, but I I just don't think they who's cool for uh, for this organization and I think that's part of it um, it's not just about the the results uh, you gotta get the respect of fan basketball fans across the world that all right the Bulls are legit the Bulls are a is an organization to be reckoned with and is going to be reckoned with going forward that when you see the Bulls on your schedule um, tickets for away games should be selling out because the Bulls are coming to town and just having that cachet of what it was. Uh, and obviously, you know, Michael being the, the greatest player ever, I think uh, helps boost that. But still, there, there was a there was a swagger, even with the Rose years, there was a swagger oh, about being a Chicago Bull or being a Bulls fan that uh, that you brought and they want to bring that back. So uh, I think. Arturis and Mark are, are doing this together with their group um, and, and the people that were here before that are still uh, there. I think they'll just be used as kind of like sounding boards. Right. And, you know, to, to your point of them being nice guys, Goose and I were lucky enough to talk to Jim at the well, – that was the open practice, right? We got yeah. To, yeah, we got to talk to him. He was a very nice guy. I got to uh, – believe it or not, Gar Foreman bought me a drink at the first um, – season ticket holder uh, open event that they did at the United Center uh, this past year, and he was actually a nice guy. He bought me, a, you know, we were drinking Jack and Cokes. He went and bought a Jack and Coke for me. You know, nice <laughs> nice guy. Couldn't he? God, hey, man, you got me a drink. You're in forever. So you, you, you got, you've got my heart. But, you know, um, I don't think they're bad guys. I just – there's a lot of things that they kind of did within the media, which I, I didn't like. Jim was very short with a lot of people. I think he – you asked him a couple tough questions when you were with 670 if I'm not mistaken. And, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, I just, I didn't like the way he kind of reacted to certain things. And there was one thing that KC had asked him and KC has been on our show as well. Uh, you know, I've gotten to talk to him quite often just through Twitter DMS or whatever. Super cool guy. And I just didn't like the way Jim reacted. I understand the guy's backs against the wall, but when you, when you do say, you know, you ooze cool, like it's, it doesn't really, not that I'm cool at all. I'm kind of lame, but you know, when it drips, <laughs> <laughs> when it drips out of somebody, you can kind of you know, pick that up, and I don't think that the younger players that are coming into the NBA seeing, you know, hypothetically if you're a younger player and you're coming to the Chicago Bulls right now and you kind of see how Zach has kind of reacted or how Lowry kind of reacted during the podcast that he was on in Finland, um, 
it it doesn't seem like a super didn't or at least it didn't before the the front office changes happened, but a welcoming and kind of adaptive place to be. It was kind of like this is the way the Chicago Bulls run, and this is it. And to bring in some understanding guys that are going to try to work and you know elevate their talent to a top tier is probably going to be more attractive. And like Mark Eversley said, it'll make it a cool destination. You know, you want to be cool again. Michael Jordan played here. It's one of the greatest NBA. It's up there in the greatest NBA franchise of all time. Still, even though we've been pretty not great. But, um, you know, uh, speaking of talent, I want to get into the last kind of player question with you, and and that's getting to Zach, because you already had touched on Lowry, what you think he can be with the right coaching, and, you know, you think he can be an all-star level player and, and the hopes that they have for him. But do you think Zach Levine can be a 1A guy? Do you think he could be the guy? I mean, we, we see that he has the scoring. We saw his numbers go up this year. Yeah, he was taking a higher volume of shots, but he was hitting those shots too. It wasn't like he was just chucking. That was not happening. He was playing very good basketball. So I was just wanted to get your opinion on Zach being a one A guy. Um, I like to when I when I think about that stuff. Who is a a build around guy versus a build with guy? Um, I like to have some previous examples. I mean, there's been you know decades and decades of basketball. There's got to be somebody with a that was in a similar position as Zach and it's tough to see it. If I'm being honest, um, that he's a build around guy versus a build with guy. I think certainly he's a build with guy. I'm not a hundred percent sure he's a build around guy. And I just, because I just haven't seen it. I mean, I, I guess you would, if I had to make one, one precedent, uh, that may have been similar to Zach Levine was maybe Victor Oladipo in terms of a player who came on late later in his career and was able to be a number one guy for for a franchise. Um, obviously they you know you don't see them winning a championship. That's also another thing is all right where where are your expectations? Um, you know like Victor Oladipo he's a great he's a fantastic player all star player. Do you see him leading a team to a championship? Right. Right. I mean, I I don't know where your expectations are. If you if the expectation is championship level, you you pretty know quickly that guy. Um, there wasn't there wasn't a well. Let's wait and see with those type guys. And those guys win the championship. LeBron James. Um, we and, and we can just kind of go down the list of instant star players that you recognize that okay, he's a build around guy. Um, John Morant, Zion Williamson, instant impact once they stepped on the court. And uh, Zach Levine didn't do that. Right. He didn't do that in Minnesota, and he didn't do that in Chicago. And you can you can say a bunch of different things, but, you know, injuries and stuff like that. But once you see it, you see it. And once you know, you know. And for us to be talking about Zach Levine going into his seventh NBA season, and we still aren't 100% sure – if he's that guy, then he's probably not that guy. Um, I do think, think that in order for the Bulls to win a championship, they need a player that's better than Zach Levine. Right. Um, but, yeah, I, I think you can certainly build with him. Um, but in terms of, again, anything's possible. I mean, there's new precedents set, you know, every year with, with, with a player. Somebody does something different. But according to, you know, looking at history and how this thing goes, 
uh, you pretty you you know pretty quickly if if that dude's a dude. And uh, I don't think uh, Zach Levine is that dude. I think he's a very talented player. I think he's highly skilled, and I think he can be a two uh, or a three guy on the championship team. But I, I don't think he's a uh, a number one guy. I've seen a lot of comparisons, and I, I love the basketball reference website. And Goose, feel free to hop in here. But uh, I've seen a lot of comparisons to early Monte Ellis from Golden State. Mm-hmm is a very high-volume score. Obviously, uh, Zach's percentages were up more than Monte's were. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this past last year, right? You know, he was, he was in fuego on scoring. There's, we can't d- deny it. But um, I, I saw a lot of comparisons to that. I think that Goose and I are in the same boat here. And, again, I'll let you get to that. Um, I, I don't think that he is going to be the guy, but I do think that he can be a guy that's there to help, you know, take alleviate pressure, especially scoring pressure. Mm-hmm. off of a, a, a future star player, whoever that may be, whoever comes to Chicago or whoever we get lucky enough to draft. Because, I mean, if we get seven again, I, I don't know. But, you know, uh, Goose, you want to chime in on that? And I'm going to stick to two Bulls references here that will, you know, resonate with fans. Jamal Crawford and Ben Gordon, two players who I loved um, growing up as a Bulls fan. But they just weren't ever going to be a championship guy. And they were just awesome shot makers. And they could score at will. ah, And it's hard because Zach, I think, is on a different level now that his shot and his shot making ability has elevated to that somewhat elite tier of being able to hit any shot on the floor um, with that athleticism that he's always had. It's it's scary to trade somebody like Zach Levine because that athleticism plus that kind of shooting touch isn't something that you see together six or seven years in the league. He still is only 25 years old and the beginning of his career was pretty much shadowed by the fact that the Timberwolves drafted Andrew Wiggins in that same draft. And then they got Carl Anthony towns after that. So instead of being two, he got pushed to three on the development totem pole and, I think that's one thing that you have to attribute to Zach is given how he got put on the back burner in Minnesota on the focus on him to be that player, he did it all himself. And that work ethic has continued to show through every year. Uh, He improves. So hopefully um, if we do trade him, he doesn't continue to improve because that'll hurt. Um, And if we hang on, you know, maybe he shows us something next year with, a real coach, and he gets an extension. I don't know. Zach's, a, Zach's an enigma to me. Right. I was about to you took the words right out of my mouth. He's an enigma. You know, you, I, I don't know if he, his work ethic will propel him into being something that is definitely what we want or um, or not. But, you know, I, all we could do is watch him play in a new system and find out with actually, you know, a good coach behind him and someone strong. So, Tony, we're going to move into your all-time Bulls starting lineup. Uh, we gave ours in the last episode with Herb. I'm I'm down to hear yours. I can't wait to hear it. Um. Okay. Let's. Uh. I think I go Rose. Obviously. Uh. Jordan. Pippen. Um. Probably Rodman. Uh. Whew. And probably Joe King. You see, a lot of people hesitate at the five because, you know, a lot, you know, Artis Gilmore was one of them and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But with the people that we've asked, it's been pretty similar to that. I was really surprised you didn't pick Captain Kirk Heinrich as your point guard. I was uh, shocked by that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
I, I get a lot yeah, of hate because of that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think um, uh, the Bulls haven't had a lot of, you know, Hall of Fame type players right? Uh, um, during this history. Uh, so I think uh, the the starting five is 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 pretty it's pretty obvious. It's just how do you fill out the rest of that that roster? I think is is a bit more uh, interesting. I've I've been waiting for people to like throw in their like their personal touch and add like you know like because their their homerism because I'm a I'm a huge yeah. homer but mine's pretty similar to yours. Um, I think I had Horace Grant at the four, mm-hmm. um, but like you know I, I was joking with Herb last week. I'm like I'm gonna throw uh you know Kirk Heinrich in there and Herb just stopped me. He's like Are you kidding me? I'm just like Herb. I'm joking. I joke. He'd be my sixth man. I'm, you know I'm joking. And then you know of course Goose hopped on me. What about Ben Gordon? You know but it's fun. You know um. They they haven't had a lot of Hall of Fame talent, and it is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, Derrick Rose was – I wish he would have stayed healthy, man. And what you guys are doing on NBC Sports Chicago right now, I, I can't remember what game it is tonight. Do you know off the top of your head what game it is tonight? Because last night was the um, Detroit game. I don't. I don't. I've been completely unplugged. Oh, well, oh yeah, you're on vacation. I forget. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah you're on vacation. So I just say whatever's on, that's, that's, that's what I'm watching. Right. Um, I think it may, be, it may be a game winner. I can't remember which. It, it, it may be a, – um, the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee game? game at the Bradley Center. You're right. I yeah. think that is tonight. Yeah, that, I've been, I've been living. I have a two year old daughter, man, and mm-hmm. I and she doesn't understand what she's watching. You know, she's little, you know. But I, I made, I made her sit down and watch. I was like, do you want to witness greatness really quick? And I was just, you know, like just trying to get her to watch Derrick Rose. And my wife's like, oh, you already know what happens. Can't we watch something else? I'm like, okay, we're not gonna watch a rerun of Friends again. We're gonna watch, fucking, <laughs> we're watch Derrick Rose dominate because I don't have anything right now. You know. But you know what? Um. Uh, Rob Schaefer wrote a piece today uh, that came out today, I think, on NBCSportsChicago.com, actually arguing why um, Derek should be considered as a Hall of Famer or, or what he needs, what's left for him to do to be uh, considered a Hall of Famer. I thought it was a very uh, interesting argument because I always thought after he got hurt, I always thought that he's going to be the only MB- M- MVP in NBA history not in the Hall of Fame. Um, and it, it started to look that way for, for a while, for a Couple long years. time yep. to that, uh, resurgence in Minnesota under, you know, head coach Tom Thibodeau, um, and what, uh, what he's been doing now with, uh, with Detroit, um, it's, it's going to be a tough go. He's going to have to get the, he's going to have to play the long range game. He's going to have to play in the league a while, kind of rack up those points and assist numbers, um, to kind of get considered in that conversation, um, because I, I I don't know I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if I know he's not first ballot if he goes, uh, but I mean youngest MVP you know in the NBA history um, that that's that's got to do something you know that's got to do something and I'm not I'm not sure just yet because his career isn't over we'll I guess we'll have this conversation uh, as soon as he retires officially uh, but yeah if um, if he just continues to pick up some of these these raw numbers, um, just to get him in the conversation, I, I, and you know, kind of keep his head down, doesn't cause anybody any trouble or anything, which I don't think you know he will. Uh, he he may find himself in a, in the Hall of Fame, but it's it's going to be a, a tough go for him. You'll see me at the top of that mountain, dying on that hill, that he should be in the Hall of Fame. And that's <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a I'm a large homer, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I try to. I try to look at things outside the spectrum, and you know, even when we do our podcast, I, I try to be as uh, fair as possible. But when, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, when it comes to Derek, 
I, uh, I, I lose all sight of that. And I'm just, you know, <laughs> I, I, I will die on that hill that I think that he should be in the Hall of Fame. That dude was something else, and injuries robbed him. And it, it was just – that one still hurts to talk about. <laughs> you know, I, I, was, I was at the ACL game, man. Mm-hmm. I, first round against the 76ers. You want to talk about – there's two times in my lifetime of being at games. I'm lucky enough – you know where I come from as a as a as a person is I come from Blue Island, Illinois. I lived in a one bedroom trailer with my dad, but God damn it, we had Bears and Bulls season tickets. You know, like that's what we had, and mm-hmm. I I fell in love with those teams. And there's two sporting events I've been at in my life where I could hear like you know a pin drop, and it was when Derek went down, and it was the double doink. Those are the two games <laughs> you could literally you could hear people breathing next. I mean, it was just silent, it, it, unbelievable, unbelievably silent. And uh, you know, I I'll die on that hill. You know, you can get that tattooed on me. I don't give a shit. Derek Rose for MVP. I'm all for it all day. <laughs> um, so just to let people know, how did you become a Bulls fan? Are you from the area? You know, did you just kind of fall in love with the team? How did that happen? Um, I guess it's you know kind of natural. You know, you grow up. Uh... You know, I grew up in West Inglewood, so um, right on. and we love basketball. My dad was a huge basketball fan and a huge uh, Jordan fan, uh, so it just kind of kind of seeped into me and my siblings. Um, that was what we got to watch. If we loved the game, you know, we had the Bulls, uh, and we had basketball, and um, that that kind of helped propel my fandom as a, as a Bulls fan coming up. Uh, was was my dad. And I mean, he had all those uh, Jordan tapes. He had just taped the random games of Jordan that you know we would watch um, and stuff like that to kind of just boost that fandom uh, of the Chicago Bulls. Right. Um, I, I vaguely remember like that the Last Dance championship year. Vaguely, um, I remember a couple a couple things, but not a whole lot. So that's that's one I, I do uh, remember. But yeah, that's that. I mean, that's what it was. If we want, we love basketball, uh, and the Bulls were. All, the team that we got to watch the most. So, uh, but one thing my dad didn't do, he didn't really force us just to be a Bulls fan. Like he, he helped make us a basketball fan first. And that's, that's kind of what I lean on first is like, I, I, the Bulls are my local team. Obviously grew up here my whole life in Chicago. Um, But basketball was the number one thing, like enjoy watching good basketball being played and and fun basketball being played right um and that's that's where it's like oh man like my my favorite all-time team is the we believe warriors that's my personal favorite that all was, time that was oh three no that was uh that was a little bit later that well, was um that was baron davis was on that squad yeah, right baron, baron davis uh monte ellis stephen jackson okay Mikhail Pinterest, don nelson as as the coach right okay uh, yeah they uh they upset the the math that year being the ac uh that that we believe team so yeah that's i mean just understanding where greatness is and understanding why players are great and it, all of that encompasses everything about basketball that that i love first so yeah i you know also i can't really root for the bulls you know since i cover cover the team so i kind of had to lay some of that down, <laughs> down to the put the homerism bit. to the side uh, yeah. So, so, but, um, you know, I, I'm always, it's always going to be there. Like I, I can't deny that, you know, I, I am a, a Chicago fan and a Bulls fan. Um, but yeah, it, the love of basketball came, you know, along with watching the Bulls. 
Right on. And uh, what's the your your favorite game you've ever been to at the United Center? Um, as a kid, we didn't go to uh, a lot of uh, Bulls games. Um, so I will have to lean on my my more adult work with uh, with covering the team. And I think I'm gonna go with the Clay Thompson breaking the record. Uh, in oh, the United Center. Damn it, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> that that game was like amazing to see just how great that Warriors team was for one in person uh and just to see just kind of how far the Bulls w- were uh, uh from being a championship level team. Like all of that all of those mixed feelings was because you had to appreciate the basketball that was being played. Like it was it was amazing to to watch what they were doing. They were literally playing games with inside the game. Like right. they weren't playing against the Bulls. They were playing basically for their own personal interest. Uh, and to see Kevin Durant and, and Steph recognizing Clay is on this historic pace for them to be like, all right, we're not playing against the Bulls anymore. Now our goal is to get Clay to get this record, which he got that day, uh, that night. And it was, um, whew. I remember that the Bulls locker room, it was, it was quiet and, and, and ugly in there. Um, and I mean, all you could hear is just laughs coming from the, the, the warriors, uh, the visitors locker room, because I mean, that's how, that's how good they were, uh, that night. And that's how good clay was that night. So yeah, that, that's probably the most memorable Bulls game that I, that I've been at. It, oh, wow, uh, Goose! I heard you. I heard you squirming over there a little bit. Oh no, I'm just I'm just laughing at the fact that Tony's definitely a closet Warriors fan. We believe Warriors. Favorite team <laughs> ever Warriors. I, I think he might be a little ashamed to root for a super team, but I, I think it's in there. Oh, I'm not. No, no, it's in there. It's in there. Step. It's one of my favorite players of all time. It's in there. Oh, oh man, I I bet it, no. that game in person though had to be nuts, man. I I covered that game for the webs. You know, we do you know, we do the on tap thing, man, and you know we cover yeah. games. We do the post game podcasts every mm-hmm. night, and I had covered that game. That. That one was like, I, and you know, you pride yourself as a fan sometimes, and I don't, I never say I'm more of a fan than anybody else, but I do, I do like to admit, like you know, when they they are on, I watch every game. This was one where I was like, you know what, dude, I I, I might have to go upstairs right now. Like this is, it li- like was I watching great basketball? Did I know I was? Yeah, of course I did. I played growing up. I mean, I wasn't anything spectacular. I'm five nine, 150 pounds, soaking wet. I'm you know, but I played the game, and I just, I I couldn't get over what was happening, and I. Clay was in fuego. I mean, the whole Warriors team was. I mean, he just broke the record. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. what an unbelievable. That was unbelievable. I, I am. I am taken back though. That was your favorite game that you've been to in person. I was gonna hit <laughs> yeah, the. Man, I, you I, know. Yeah, I got to watch history. You're right. Like, uh, You're right. A lot, a lot of people, even though it was at the detriment of of the Bulls, but just understanding the scope of what that game was and what it meant in the you know the pantheon of uh, performances in NBA history. I was there to witness it, right, in person. So that I, I don't take that lightly. I don't take that for granted. That's going to be a memory that I'm going to share with my kids and grandkids and and all of that. So when I point them to the you know the basketball reference or whatever comes of basketball reference in the next twenty to twenty five years, <laughs> say, you see that record? You see that right there? I was there for that. Ooh. Yeah, I, like I, I've said, my favorite game is probably was the uh, if you remember back in 2011, the 20th anniversary 
of uh, the Bulls championship when Jordan came back and he talked about Derrick Rose. And he, well, yeah. basically, he didn't really talk about Derrick Rose, but he said, oh, this team you have here, you guys are going to get a couple more banners up there. I was at that game. I, believe, I can't remember who nice. was And, uh, <laughs> you know, Derrick hit like four threes in the first quarter. You know, I mean, he was just on fire. And, you know, you know he was probably lit up because of Jordan's speech. You know, I mean, Derrick Rose standing next to Michael Jordan. I mean, that's got to be for him, too, even though he's a superstar at the time. Mm-hmm. That's got to be something crazy for him. I was at that game. That was absolutely fantastic. Um, when we usually get beat, though, Tony, whether a record's broken or not, I'm pretty much a salty dickhead. I am just, oh, he's not that good, dude. <laughs> you kidding me? He's, well, I could, I could hit 11 threes against the Bulls right now. Yeah, I could, I could hit 15 threes in a game against the Bulls. I'm, you know, you got Felicio guarding you. You're fine. You, you win. <laughs> And Chris is a nice guy. I don't mean to hate on him too bad. But uh, I know that you usually when you're at the United Center, you, you're you working. And uh, Chris is wiping his tears away with $100 bills. Don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> God, man. you know, People hate him. And I don't know why. It's not like, dude, if I got offered that contract right now from the Bulls, which would never happen in a million years, but if I did, I'd sign that son of a bitch too. Are you kidding me? Thirty-two yeah, million for eight for four yeah, years. Yeah, you can't you can't pass up thirty-two million guarantee. No way, dude. And that's why people no matter what comes with it, right? <laughs> and people hate him. I'm like, dude, he didn't sign the contract. I mean, he signed it, but he didn't like make the contract. He was offered that contract. I would have right. signed it too. Um, but like I was saying, I know that you you know you're working most times at the game, and here at Ontap, man, we pride ourselves a lot on tailgating. I know you can't do it at the United Center, which I really mm-hmm. wish they would add that in. I really wish we could, you know, get to the stadium a couple hours early, throw up a grill, and just have a nice time, even though it's cold as hell usually for the most part. But, you know, we're all Bears fans here, for I think. Um, you know, so we're used to it. But uh, what's your favorite thing to drink at the stadium if you're just having a nice time and you're chillaxing? Um, I'm not – I don't really uh, drink. Um, but the, uh, the fountain cherry Coke there is some special. <laughs> like, I, don't they, I don't know what they put in it i don't know what they do with it but the cherry coke that they have on tap there is uh is something to behold and i've been trying to figure out i may do like a side piece on what's in this 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 famed cherry coke at at the united center that 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 keeps fans coming back for more so that's <laughs> if they're not enjoying an alcoholic beverage but yeah that that one gets me every time, and I try not to drink as much soda anymore. But man, I mean, whew. I, I, well, I worked at a gas station as a kid, and I can tell you the trick is probably an extra twist or two of the syrup bag that goes into the machine. It's it's just dripping a little more good stuff. <laughs> There's a syrup bag. Are you for real? Yeah. They, oh, I didn't a, know. I thought they, they poured the drink in there. I didn't know. No, man. It's like a syrup bag that gets mixed into the machine with. The, the carbonated, it's weird. So, yeah, it's it's just twisted a little bit more. What's your drink, Goose? I mean, I, I saw what you were drinking when we were, we, we were having beers when you and I were there because we had a drive, so we couldn't get too crazy. But, I mean, what, what's your I drink mean, I, if you're chilling? I usually just stick to whiskey, but I have been drinking the Rocks tequila lately just because I read something oh. on the Internet that said it's healthier than red wine for you. So I'm I'm trying to be nice to my body. That's because it burns your insides. It, it takes out all the toxins. It's oh. made with grapes and agave, man. It's <laughs> God. So, I, I, God. Hey, man. It, it gets the job done. It's oh, yeah, I, I know it gets the job done, but it got to burn like hell. But usually whiskey. 
Um, Buffalo Trace whiskey has been my uh, my go-to lately. The guy at Woodman's turned me on to that. It's got a fancy little cork popper. That's how I knew that I uh, moved up in the world of whiskey when I didn't have a twist top anymore. When I pulled it, it made a... You know, it was, it was good. <laughs> See, when I'm, <laughs> when I'm at the stadium, if I'm hanging out in the atrium, I'll, I'll do a couple, uh, you know, uh, Jack and Cokes when I'm down there. But if I'm, like, sitting there watching the game, and I know this sounds stupid, but, like, growing up again single father home for me so it was uh my dad had those bulls championship cups you know those plastic cups and it said come get a bulls mai tai so every time i'm there i go get a mai tai because like i just remember drinking milk out of those cups when i was a little kid and i love the mai tai when i'm at the united center i don't care if it's weird i love that shit it's so good so that's my drink of choice while i while i am there um so now these are two fun questions we're going to get into. Well, I mean, not that the whole thing wasn't fun, but these are ones that Herb, Herb said you're an interesting cat. And I was like, you know, and I think I'm kind of a weird guy too, you know. So Herb was like, he's a weird, <laughs> interesting guy, man. And I'm pretty close with Herb. I've had, I, I got to have uh, drinks with Herb um, on a couple occasions, but uh, mm-hmm. I got to have drinks with him, Jason, and Herb Lawrence at Reggie's downtown for mm-hmm. a, a White Sox event um, uh, this past off season when we thought mm-hmm. baseball was going to be played. But he told me to ask you, this is the first one. I have it written down. I don't know if you guys can see on the camera, but it's on the Sports Illustrated with all the writing on it. It says, uh, ask Tony his opinion on Michael Red and Reggie Miller. So I, ha- I have to, I had to, I had to write it down because he was, he was adamant about it. He was like, you need to ask him. And I said, I'm going to, Herb, I will ask him. I want, I want to hear about it too. So, t- so please give me the backstory on what this means. Well, um, it, it originated from, First, first of all, I don't, I, I don't see what everybody else sees with Reggie Miller, um, and what everybody was so scared of in, in the '90s. I mean, he did one thing, uh, didn't really do anything else, and I've seen players better than him at that one thing. <laughs> that um, in terms of like you know Ray Allen, like Cal Corver, like people have shot the ball better than reggie miller so i'm like i mean if you guys think he's a hall of famer i mean that's fine i don't think he's a hall of famer um and so it, it kind of became like a, a running joke at the score uh about my uh not my dis i don't dislike reggie miller but just i just don't get it with, with the <laughs> miller thing. Uh, so then i started kind of just poking a bear a bit with people that were like adamant about reggie miller i was like all right if reggie miller gets in the hall of fame I want Michael Red in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I love Michael Red. Uh, he's one of my favorite players, one of my top ten on my list, top ten favorite players of all time. Um, he was like, outside of like Tony Kukoc, uh, again, like when you're growing up and you want to play basketball, you're trying to um, try and pick a player that you can kind of pattern your game after or just watch a player that – and I didn't see a lot of lefties. I'm a lefty. Okay. So it was like Tony Kukoc, and he was like a forward. I was like, well, I can't – I'm not tall. I can't be Tony Kukoc. Right. Uh, so the next best person that I saw was Michael Red. So uh, that's that's what I like. And Michael Red, he was – he was he had a – he had a he was better than a lot of people remember. He was. Like, when he – his yeah. heyday in Milwaukee, he was really yeah, good. He, I'm 28, Tone. How old are you? Uh-huh. Uh, 27. Okay, so we're about the same age. Yeah. yeah. Michael Red was – Michael Red was a G man, and people yeah. don't—they don't remember that. He's not so, talked yeah. about. He's, he's one of my favorite players of all time, and I know he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame. But that's kind of like my bit, uh, my running on lifelong bit that hey, Reggie Miller's in the Hall of Fame. I need my guy, uh, one of the greatest Milwaukee Bucks of all time, <laughs> Michael Red in the Hall of Fame too. 
Herb was just so, I mean, Goose Bet, he was so taken back, like, when he told, because we stayed on the air, and we, uh, or not on the air, but after we got done recording the podcast, I think Herb and Goose and I, we talked for about an hour after the podcast, like, just about nothingness, music, but we were talking about you, because I, you know, we had, me and you've had this lined up for Mm -hmm. about three weeks now, and, um, he was like, "These are the questions you have to ask him because he get, he he gets animate about it." And I'm just yeah. like, "I'm like, okay." I'm like, "All right, Herb, thanks for the tidbits, man. You know, I'm I'm excited to ask." And then Herb got into a topic which blew Goose away, and mm. this was the Migos versus the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> and and Herb was like, "I don't get that guy, man. You guys are the same age, but I don't get that guy." I'm like, "Herb, you're not old, Herb. You're like, you're not old. Like you keep talking like you're old." And he was just like, "No, I'm telling you." He's like, ask him about the Migos and the Beatles. Those are the two questions you need to ask him. So I wrote, <laughs> wrote them both down. So I wanted to get – so you think the Migos are better than the Beatles. Is that correct? No. Um, that's not – that wasn't the the original thought that I had. Um, I remember this specifically. We were um, – I think it was me, Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Holmes. Was uh, it one of the few times Hurt. that you actually had a drink? Like they got you to have yeah. a drink and this crazy <laughs> idea came out? <laughs> No, um, and we were just discussing, um, and this was at the time, this was like Migos' heyday. Like, this was, everything was about the Migos in terms of pop music and popular music so far. Um, And I was like, all right, I can make the comparison right now that they are this generation's Beatles in terms of a group with influences um, across the music board. Um, at that point in time, they were so big uh, that and their influence could be felt throughout a bunch of different genres and in their own genre as well. I was like, they're this gener- this generation's Beatles. If I had to pick one, uh, a group that had that type of influence, um, obviously not as big, obviously, as uh, the Beatles. But I mean, for this generation... I, I think they they had almost a a, a similar impact. Okay, that's, I got you. I see. They, I they always, if you notice, they always like make the argument different to <laughs> to make it more outlandish, which is fine. Like we're radio guys. That's I think what we they're do. little brothering you is what I think is happening <laughs> right now. They're picking on their little brother. That's what I think is going yeah, on. That's fine. That's fine. I get it. I get it. But yeah, that's those were the two original ideas that that uh, that I'm gonna I'm gonna die with those bits. So that's those. Those are my two things. Dying on the hill. I dig it. So I had never. I well, I, I had, but I did. I guess I didn't know who they were. I had never heard of the Migos. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, pull this up. And then I saw Walk It Like I Talk It. And then I, you know, I saw Racks Too Skinny. I was like, okay, I know who these. I know who these guys are. I've heard mm-hmm. this stuff. Pure yeah, Water, another song. Yeah. So I, I was just like, okay, I get it. But you know, her, it was just so funny how Herb kind of brought everything <laughs> up and was just like, these are the questions you need to ask him about because he gets passionate. And I know how Herb can get. Herb gets very passionate about what he's yeah. talking about. So even if you had like a little bit of a, an argument for him, whether it was Reggie Miller or Michael Rad or Migos versus Beatles, Herb he's so passionate. He's like, nope, nope, you're wrong. <laughs> it's like, nope. <laughs> I, I totally dig it, man. Um, Goose, you got anything else, man? I'm gonna skip over the whole Migos Beatles thing just because that's uh, that's a little, I, I I'm glad that we got a, a deeper explanation because at least the explanation kind of I can understand the thought process. Yeah, Herb had we're, gonna throw, we're gonna throw a fun fact in here at the end for Derrick Rose's case to the Hall of Fame. His high school and college career are included in the case to be made. 
and the things that he did in his high school career are pretty extensive and got close to winning a title at Memphis, too. So those accolades all go into consideration. It is the Basketball Hall of Fame, not the NBA Hall of Fame. Um, so it's the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. So all of that stuff will get incorporated. So hopefully, um, even with just the youngest MVP ever on top of those accolades, he is in the Hall of Fame, deservingly so. Man, I mean, the the, the only the only thing with uh, is 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 his college eligibility. I don't know if they took oh. away those, those oh. because of uh, what happened after he left. Uh, where I didn't even think about at, that. Yeah, and that's that's the only thing. Will they count it? Um, is my is my thing. I didn't yeah. even think count they, it or not. I remember they, they stripped almost everything to kind of. Well, he didn't go there. Let's just kind of move on. <laughs> He's already in the league. We're not going to do anything to further damage the NBA's newest star. Right. But I remember that coming up, and I, yeah, I don't think his his college career actually counts if that if that ban still is. Um, is a thing by the time he retires. I hope not, though. Oh, absolutely. Well, Tone, I really appreciate you coming on, man. I really hope you know you consider coming on again in the future, just to sit and bullshit about you know current when basketball starts getting going again, and we can talk about the team. I know you're a busy guy with all the stuff that you do over at NBCChicago.com. Um, everybody, please follow Tony if you're not. I'm sure you already are, but if you're not following Tony, it's at the Tony Gill on Twitter. Tone, man, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today, dude. It means a lot to us. I'm glad that we actually finally got to, you know, orchestrate this and make it happen. Yeah, no problem, guys. Anytime uh, you need them, just reach out, all right? Absolutely. So, everybody, be sure to go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Following us on Twitter at BullsOnTap at ontapsportsnet. Following Tony at the Tony Gill. Following Goose at BullsScripted. And following me at BuzzOnTap. We'll be, na- be back next week with another special guest. Still got to line that up, though. It's, it's pretty much lined up, but... I'll tease it on Twitter during the week, and we'll lead it out with uh, Go Bulls.